This episode is dedicated to Ronnie and Erlene Praisewater. Thank you for taking care of Marjorie. Don't forget, share your pet's positive imprints. Pets provide a never-ending abundance of positive imprints. Share them here on Your Positive Imprint. Go to my blog, yourpositiveimprint.com, to learn how. Your Positive, positive. positive. Imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, your host of Your Positive Imprint. This podcast is free and available on pretty much all podcast platforms. Music by Chris Knoll, chrisknoll.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Check out my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and download my episodes by hitting the subscribe or follow button. As I mentioned in January, our World Health Organization has designated 2020 as the year of the nurse and midwife. Will I give a big shout out to our niece Carmen in United States, our sister-in-law Erlene in United States, and of course our good friend Espen of Norway. Thank you again for your service. Well, we've heard quite a bit about nursing homes in the news lately, as well as caregivers. Today's guest is a caregiver. Gloria Robinson, and she became a caregiver at a very young age, delaying her own dreams and goals for what she felt was morally right. Gloria Robinson, thank you so much for joining me here on Your Positive Imprint. Thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Gloria, thank you so much for joining me here on Your Positive Imprint. <laughs> thank you for sharing, uh, you know, your time and effort and 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 it's just interesting what you do. I find that so interesting. I I thought, oh, so that's what a podcast is. <laughs> I hear so much about podcasts, and uh, so uh, it's it's a neat thing. It's a fun thing to do. It, it seems fun anyway. Well, probably and, a lot of work. Yes. So we've been keeping in touch through the many months since I met you through email, mm-hmm. and. You've talked about your caregiving experiences and just your life as a caregiver. And I thought this would be a wonderful opportunity to share what exactly goes into caregiving and the dedication. But I'm going to let you talk about that. And let's let's first hear whom you are. Actually, I was born Gloria Chavez, and I married a Robinson back in 19... 19- 95 at the ripe old age of 48 and and yes one of those reasons I married so late in life was because I knew that I was going to be mom's caregiver so uh, and returning back to New Mexico where I was working in I was working in Los Angeles at the time uh, for the federal government so I uh, knew that I, I needed to come back once I retired uh, but I ended up getting married and returning to back to New Mexico all in one year. <laughs> when I was 12 years old, I was the eldest of three children. And uh, my mother uh, became a widow at a very young age. My father was was uh, uh, killed in an automobile accident. And and so um, here was mom having to, to support and, and raise three kids. So she began advising me, I guess, if you want to call it, or telling me that that I would be the one that would be her caregiver. She never failed to remind me about that when I was growing up. 
So I never really married because I I always felt I was going to have to live at home. And so kind of marriage was kind of at the back of my mind. Not that she didn't want me to get married. It's just something that I I kept thinking. um, And and I also had other dreams, too. I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to expand my career. So long story short, yep, I didn't get married till very late. Uh, So back to caregiving here. So I knew at a very young age, I was going to be mom's caregiver. How did you know that? Was she ill? No, no, she just, she just kept reminding me that, that, that I would be taking care of her. Now, one thing that did happen uh, when, when uh, of course, my sister got married, my brother got married, they all moved out of the house and left, and, and I was the eldest. I was still left there, and then my grandmother got sick, so then she came to live with us. My mother became her caregiver, and she had uh, a very bad stroke towards the end where she was immobile, so my mom left her job at an sort of early retired, I guess you could call it, to take care of her mother. And uh, she would remind me, this is what I also needed to do. So then... So why, um, why, did you ever feel that, wonder why she said that to you and not your other siblings? I, I think it was because I was the oldest. And by then my sister had, she, my sister got married at 19 at a young age and my brother moved out at a young, you know, in his 20s. So I was still there so I was it and I was the eldest I was it I was the one that you know it was in in most Hispanic families uh, and I say most I, I'm, I'm just kind of generalizing here it's usually the eldest of the of the children that will be asked or nominated I guess to take care of of their parents and um, I think I, I, I wondered about that I think in our families, there was no such thing as, as nursing homes. So that's one of the things. Back then, in, the, in that, uh, that time, in the 50s and 60s, when this discussion came up between her and I, nursing homes or, or assisted living facilities, as they're called now, were not really oh, what they are now. Uh, they, they didn't have the... Um, um, facilities, the, um, the good care, the cleanliness, et cetera, that you see in, in most nursing homes these days. So there was a fear, I think, from our elderly population back then that they would all be, if you will, get stuck in one of these nursing homes that, and then no one would come to see them. So I guess my mother was concerned about all this and she wanted to make sure that I was going to be around or someone was going to be around for her. And then one thing happened, my mother got cancer uh, at a young age. After my grandmother died, within that year or two, I think it was within that year, my mother uh, was diagnosed with uh, melanoma, which uh, is the deadly cancers. Uh, skin cancer, but they were afraid this cancer might spread. So she was quickly taken into the hospital. Uh, There were two um, specialized, very special physicians here that were visiting, one from um, Bolivia and another one from England. They were on a fellowship. And so they performed these uh, radical surgeries on mom uh, 
she be, she was retired after that. She was in the hospital for nine nine months. Excuse me, and no, excuse me, six months. And then uh, the, there was a lot of therapy, and I was present for all that. But the following year, she she was she was fine. She was um, recuperating and doing well. And then I had an opportunity. I got a, a job offer uh, in LA, and and I took it knowing well that I would have to come back someday because to look after mom. Now she became a foster grandparent. She was that for 19 years. Yet she led a very active, how do you say, second retirement. With and, positive uh, imprints, sounds like. Yeah, she, she did some great things. She loved being a foster grandparent. She was very involved in the senior center. She was a volunteer she also became a volunteer, a VIP volunteer. I mean, uh, and then she even became a, um, a host for one of the um, Mary's Dream Tours. Her friend talked her into being a hostess on one of the buses that travels to, um, well, they, they'd go up to Mother Cabrini up in Colorado. And then, then they would go to Laughlin, you know, to some of these uh, places for fun and enjoyment. So... All that time, I was living and working in Los Angeles. Then, as I said earlier, uh, the time came when I knew I had to return. Significant other, I suppose, at that time was my my current husband, Jerry Robinson. And I said, well, I've got to leave. And, and then we knew at that point we had to get married because we, we had been going together for so many years. And so just the Lord put everything together. I got married. I early retired. I moved back to New Mexico to be uh, to look after mom, who was still living alone. Uh, I continued to uh, visit her almost every other day, and uh, that that went on for the la- that has been going on for the last twenty years until now. Everything's changed because she's now living with us. My goodness, and she the life that she led as. A mother, but also as a foster grandparent, certainly had the positive imprints that were amazing for you to be able to sit back and watch. And then you coming back to New Mexico in order to to care for her. Did she go into an assisted living home in the beginning? Well, yeah. This is what this is what happened. Uh, This is what my mother had always been fearful of. Never did. She wanted to go into a, 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 a nursing home. And I said, well, Mom, you know, the, there's this assisted livings now, and they're fun and, and et cetera. So this is, uh, I had been kind of coaching her all these years that she was she was nearing 90. And I, you know, I'm more and more trying to persuade her that she needed to move out or come and live with us or, or go to a nursing facility. And we did everything for her in her home from putting a, a walk-in shower to uh, putting um, some railings in her den when she went down the stairs to moving her TV closer to her. We uh, tried to make her home as comfortable as possible. And then uh, lo and behold, this summer, a pipe burst under her flooring and destroyed, began destroying her flooring. It, it was pretty much destroyed her 
Her pride and joy, her home, her hardwood floors were destroyed. At that point, uh, all that it was decided she could not live there any longer because that it was becoming unsafe. So we quickly uh, moved her out. I made a quick, very quick decision. And I thought, you know, this is perfect for you to, um, uh, to move into assisted living. And it would be temporary till they fix your home. Because, of course, she wanted to come back to her home. But I, I just knew that in my heart she, she was not going to be able to go back to her house. She just, she was already uh, 93 years old. She, she became 93 in May of last year. So, uh, and she's already using a walker and we take a run in a wheelchair. You know, being a caregiver, I, I you know, as I was, as a, just kind of a side note here, as I was thinking about this earlier you really have to be devoted to your parents or your grandparents or your uncles or aunts. Uh, you have to it's, it's you have to be very devoted to be able to take care of your your par- parent in my case, and it does require a lot. Uh, I do have a husband, but I find myself now that I'm that I'm a what I call a full time caregiver. Uh, you have to share your time with with your other family, all of a sudden, your mother is first. She's the one that gets fed first. She's the one that you have to make sure she's got everything she needs. She gets to her medical appointments, and my phone's going off here, sorry. Um, and uh, so I, I basically uh, kind of don't really stop <laughs> all day. I'm, I'm really, really moving all day long. So that's why I say you have to be really committed and devoted to to taking care of your family member and it's a it is a serious obligation you have to take care of this person you have to make sure this person doesn't fall when they get out of the shower you got to have you got to make sure that that uh, she's fed you know that that she doesn't starve or something you got to make sure she takes her medications if she in case of my mother if she misses one of her uh, blood thinners. This is this is not a good thing for her. She can't she can't do that. Right. <laughs> so um, things like that. So it's it's a serious obligation, and it's also a you have to you have to be dedicated. So I, I was thinking I I don't like saying this, but if you you think it's too much for you, you can't do it. As some people don't don't want to take care of their elderly, and not that there's anything wrong. Assisted livings are are sometimes necessary. Sometimes people are working and they have children or grandchildren that they're caring for, which I don't in my case. So you have to, um, you know, divide your time, I suppose, is lack of a better way to explain it. When she was in the nursing home, was she enjoying it? I mean, did she like it? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, let me finish my story. So when we, uh, when her house started having these issues, and we moved her into a a nursing, uh, it wasn't really a nursing home, it was assisted living. And uh, there is a difference, there's a fine line between the nursing homes and assisted living places, you have to be able to um, get around, move around, if you're in assisted living, they provide you through in this particular case, they provide you your three meals, and then there's always, you know, showering that has to, you know, uh, daily bathing, grooming that has to be done. And and most of the uh, ladies in this particular case, my mother, you know, did well on her own. But these uh, 
the the aides, of medic, not medical aides, but the aides there at the at this facility were very helpful because they would uh, make sure that she didn't fall. Uh, she got, um, uh, you know, her towel handed to her after she showered, things like that. Little pampering goes on. So uh, there was so much for her to do there. There was bingo. There was exercise. They they even had uh, yoga. They had uh, so many. Uh, they had a happy hour. <laughs> so you could see all these 90-year-olds at a happy hour there, which uh, the ladies were so nice to mom. They're, um, uh, I, I thought the, the, the home run ran very well. Um, mom got a good deal, they told us, uh, you know, financially. But because of all the cost we were having with her home with repairs, which we're still having, uh, we're in the process of selling her home. We just thought, you know, we can't do both, Mom. It's got to be, you know, the house or assisted living. What is it going to be? I said, I think you need to come and live with us. And and that's what did it. Um, you you need to come and stay with us now. So here we move, moving her again after four months. But she thoroughly enjoyed the, the village. I mean, she made friends her own age. Right. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was fun. You know that her. that's a a very uh, difficult. I just that's so hard to take in and swallow and say, "Mom, <laughs> I know you love it here," but uh, you know that that must have been difficult for you and Jerry to even approach her on that because of a financial strain. Yeah, and I think that many many countless families. I know in the United States, I don't know about other countries, but I know in the United States, that is the same story that's heard over and over again, where uh, families are needing to make adjustments in their lives to accommodate their loved ones that they, you know, and then they're, they need to become caregivers and mm -hmm. learn the ins and outs because there are still laws that need to be complied right right even with so i'm care yeah i'm i'm uh so now that i i'm going to be doing this full-time before it I was sharing the job with with the village and and uh, and of course my i have a my sister who now um uh, uh lives here in the uh new mexico area and she was also helpful so uh, there was some responsibility that that was uh, shared. I was getting some help with the village and my sister. And of course, my husband always, he also helps uh, uh, with mom. When I have to run off and do an errand, he will stay with mom to make sure she's uh, she's okay or she doesn't fall. She's a very independent lady, which uh, that's the other thing that really has helped me. Mom uh, is very um, kind of up to date on a lot of things for to someone in her 90s uh, she wants me to read the paper she says did you read this did you read that mm -hmm. I said mom I never read the paper she's up to date on all the latest uh, news uh, she knows exactly what's going on there's a few forgetful moments there uh, but you know I mean she is you know in her 90s so you got to grant her some uh, some leeway there but getting back to the financial end of things, the um, assisted livings I've learned and the nursing homes, all these facilities, they're not cheap. <laughs> See, no, they're not. It's a lack, lack of a better way to say it. They're not cheap. 
they're expensive. And it's, it is, you know, I, I've also heard of stories where people will, you know, have to uh, invest their homes and, uh, um, and in one case back in Los Angeles, I recall where uh, this one woman, the mother-in-law of a neighbor, she uh, was there till I think 104. So she used up all her, her savings from her home. And she was still there in, in the nursing facility. So what do you do then? I mean, uh, well, and I know that Medicaid kicks in at a point, but you have to really clear all of your yeah, finances. Right. And you have to basically give them your home. And uh, Well, you uh, don't you, have to because of- I, I know that there is a trust because it's if you if a person feels that that is the only thing they have to leave for their children mm-hmm. or their heirs then there are ways to get about that if you talk to you know your financial advisor they can be able to direct you or a lawyer who deals with this all right so then she is now at home what are some right. of the compliances that you have to follow being a home health care, which I would consider with the World Health Organization, you heard the introduction, that they have designated this as uh, the year of the nurse and the midwife. So I would consider caregivers right smack in that. So I I commend you for your dedication. But so what are some of the compliances? Well, as I said, I've always been um, mom's caregiver and, uh, you know, 50, 75% of the time, but always been there. So now I'm 100% her caregiver. So now I find out that I, I, can, I can be compensated for being a caregiver. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. And I've kind of been hearing about this over the years. So I'm in the process of um, getting certified. But with this crisis, as it has happened, it's kind of put a jolt on things. So um, I know I had to go take a test, a TB test, and I have to have a CPR class, but I haven't gotten to the CPR class because uh, I'm not sure uh, the office is completely manned over there. They have uh, at the care the care organization that I'm going to be working for. Uh, and I'm kind of preempting things a little bit here. Uh, you, you select uh, any uh, their care organizations that go out to the home, do the home visits, where they come into your home and provide services to your uh, to your family member or your, or your whoever, and it's, I don't think it necessarily has to be a, a senior member, but anyway, so they do that. So uh, I have to select one of these organizations and then become um, basically an employee with them. And then from there starts the paper process, which I still haven't gotten into yet, and for me to be compensated through the state and through the a state of New Mexico uh, income support division, and it's all part of this centennial waivers also involved in that. It's all all very uh, a mystery to me yet because I'm still trying to understand how all this works. It's very involved in um, how you get qualified. Well, and you are working towards that, and that's that's good, and that's also good to know that uh, being a caregiver that there are that, that there is some compensation. Is it only for 100% caregivers or is it not limited to just the 100%? 
when you you apply, this is how you do this. You have to fill out this very long form. You all you do is call. You do this telephone number interview first, and then they um, qualify you or not on the phone. When you give them all your information, they pretty much tell you, "Yeah, it sounds like you do qualify with, of course, your family." And then they send you a form, and then you fill out this form. Then you send it back to them, and then they schedule an interview. And then someone comes in, and it takes, takes you know, a couple of months to do all this. Someone comes in to interview an interviewee. How all this got started with me is that I was uh, needing to get a secondary insurance for mom. So I started making inquiries, and that's how I ended up with all this, because they do provide you what is called an MCO. In mom's case, because of her income, she did qualify for one of these MCOs. If you're low income, you qualify. And it's all part of the Medicaid process. Yeah. Which not so, everybody knows about all of these things that are available. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's difficult to know what is available until you are in that situation. And then it's, oh, wow, yay, I can get some, some federal... Support, or state that's support, right. right. And so people, if they have, so listeners who are caregivers or who know that they're going to be in that situation, do they, I guess they can call their local hospital wherever they live and get mm-hmm. the information from them because I'm sure, I'm sure they would have information for that. So now let's move on to the coronavirus. You being a caregiver. Right. Need to be very careful. So, talk about what your fears are, what you're doing to keep your mom safe from this. We don't want her going out of the home. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, and as it turns out, she hasn't had any medical appointments this last week, so which is good. And so, we'll take it one day at a time here. When I come back home, of course. Um, wash your hands, you know. I've always kind of been one of these cleanly person person type people. And so I get a I get I get chastised by my husband and my mom all the time because I overdo clean, cleaning anyway. So I don't have to worry too much about that as far as being, you know, cleaning and, and sanitizing all the time. So I'm I'm pretty good about that. I'm more concerned that we would have to take her out. And so far we haven't and I I I just don't see us doing that. So um, I just, I, I'm hoping that, well, I don't know what's going to happen with the virus, but I, I keep thinking things are going to clear up in another month and, and when some of her medical appointments start up again. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think going to the doctor is probably safe. Going to a grocery store or shopping, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I wouldn't take her grocery shopping or I wouldn't take her out to a visit. Or We had to make a decision the other day. One of her uh, first cousins passed away. These decisions have had to be made. Is there anything else you want to share about caregiving or, or just anything, your positive imprints? I do want to add something about caregiving for the veterans. It's called uh, the Aid and Attendance Pension. And it's through the VA for the vets and, and their spouses. It's really set up for, for the caregiver. They, they provide uh, a veteran and or the spouse 
with monies to pay a caregiver. So again, all of this, it's called the aid and attendance benefit, and you can get support through the American Patriot Service Corps. Well, thank you for that information. That is certainly very helpful helpful for those who are seeking uh, that support. So let me ask about Jerry, your husband. Obviously, he's been such a great, phenomenal support for you. He's actually a saint. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's got to put up with me and all my, my, uh, my schedule. You know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, I, I, even though I'm a caregiver up until a few years ago, I had this crazy schedule where I was, you know, even though I retired early, I came back to New Mexico to be, uh, follow my dream of my music, being a church organist and, uh, I went back, came back to school to finish my music degree. Um, oh, good for you. And so, and so, anyway, so yeah, I, I was, I had this crazy schedule all the time. I was trying to, you know, you know, be at, be at church on Sunday, preparing, and I am still active. I have one group. Unfortunately, we're on this hiatus right now. Well, that's awesome. That's 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 wonderful, and I'm so glad that you were able to. When you, when you did return to New Mexico, that you did complete a goal, and that was to finish your degree that you so obviously wholeheartedly wanted to do, and then, you know, move forward with it. Well, I, actually, I didn't quite finish my degree. I still have two, three, four more classes to finish. I will do it someday. Well, I certainly wish you the best of of luck and many wishes and blessings and positive karma as you continue as a caregiver for your mother and Thank you. your continued orientation of this right. whole process. So, and are there any last inspiring words you'd like to share? We have our seniors uh, that we can care for. They, they all just uh, have so much to share uh, their experiences. There's so much you can learn from from talking to our seniors, um, their history, their ancestry, so much we can learn from them. So we, we need to take care of our elderly population. Our seniors are our history. Gloria Robinson, thank you so much for sharing your positive imprints here on my show, Your Positive Imprint. You're welcome. So Gloria has just left the room so that she can go get her mother, Ramona, so that her mom can say hello to all of the listeners. Oh, here comes Ramona. Oh, your hair looks just fine, Ramona. Gloria, thank you so much for bringing your mom in. And Ramona, I'm Catherine. I'm host of Your Positive Imprint. It's so nice to meet you. Me too. And you are just such a positive imprint within the community, Uh especially I understand that you were once a foster grandmother yeah i was foster grandmother for 19 years i was bilingual so i had their computer teach them the computer in spanish because the computer was in spanish for them the third graders oh so you had to translate what they were reading into english yeah i would tell them in english what it meant for oh, them wow. spanish i learned a lot then a new teacher came in the following year, and I taught her a lot of the stuff that I knew because she didn't know very much, you know. She was just starting, 
I made their spelling books. I made their all their books with their names, and I kept record of them. And all this and that. Well, she did a lot to help the teachers. I did a lot to help the teachers. We weren't that supposed were to do that. We were just to, supposed to help the kids. But at 24 kid children in one room, that's a lot for one teacher. Well, Ramona, thank you so much for your positive imprint. Ramona, do you have any inspiring words you'd like to share with the global world? No, just right now, just to stay home and take it easy and not go out in public, you know, groups and that. Just try to help with virus. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Well, Gloria, Ramona, thank you for sharing your positive imprints here on Your Positive Imprint. And don't forget to send me your pet positive imprints. You can learn how by going to my blog, yourpositiveimprint.com. Your Positive Imprint, what's your P.I.?